If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Show Me How Good It Gets. I'm your host, Malvika. people how are you where are you what are you up to thank you for clicking play on this episode i feel so lucky that we get to spend the next half an hour or so together with me in your ears so if you're doing the dishes or folding laundry or going on a walk or driving that's now something we're doing together i think listening to podcasts is such an intimate experience and especially the solo episodes it really feels like bearing my soul to a friend so Thank you for being here, and today's episode is inspired by one of you. I recently went on Instagram and I asked what questions you want me to answer, what do you want me to talk about, and I got a lot regarding self-esteem, self-worth, self-assuredness, confidence, discipline, and any episodes that feel like I'm giving advice, I get so nervous to record because it kind of feels like standing on a mountain and saying, I know how to do this thing and let me teach you, which is not at all what I'm trying to do. It's more of a, you know, this is something I've also struggled with and had a long journey with. And I think I've picked up a couple things that now I want to talk about. And it's the same idea as like when a 25 year old releases a memoir or an advice column and you're like, what do you really know? You know, so I kind of feel like that. I feel a lot of imposter syndrome with this podcast because of that reason. So I I want to stress this is not a, you know, I know everything and let me tell you what I know. This is more like everything I've learned in my mere 23 years of pretty easy living. Self-esteem is, for me, very different from confidence because I think confidence is a little more about what you portray to the outside world. And that's why people say, like, fake it till you make it and all those sorts of platitudes, right? It's how you present yourself. But self-esteem and self-worth, I think those are such internal things. And I was talking to a friend about it recently, and I came up with this analogy. It's almost like self-esteem in life and in relationships is like salt is for cooking. It just makes everything better. When you have self-worth, when you have high self-esteem, you both consciously and subconsciously demand respect from other people and really know what you deserve. And that's like 
a phrase that's thrown around a lot, right? Knowing what you deserve. When I was like 14 on Tumblr, the quote that was so popular was, we accept the love we think we deserve. And at the time I didn't understand it, but as I've moved through the world and formed friendships and applied for jobs and talked to professors and been in romantic relationships, the way I stand up for myself and the way I communicate and advocate for myself is so tied to the way I feel about myself. So I compiled a list on my phone of ways we can rethink or raise our self-esteem. And the first one is a quote by a professor named Todd Rose. He studies individuality and autonomy at Harvard. And he says, self-esteem is the judgment of yourself against the alignment of your beliefs and behaviors. So what does this mean? Let's say I believe that a good, a moral person marries the first person they date. I'm just, I'm taking a random example here. Let's say I believe that and then I'm dating someone, it's not going well, I break up or we break up. And then if I still have this belief, then I start to feel like a bad person. I start to have this really negative self-image and I look at myself as someone who's failed, right? So in that situation, maybe I need to change my belief and the behavior is just fine. In a different situation, let's say I believe that cheating is against my moral compass, which it is for me. So then if I cheated, it would give me such a negative self-image. It would make me really upset with myself. I wouldn't have a high self-worth because my behavior doesn't align with my value system and with my set of beliefs. So I think this is a really helpful framework to figure out if you feel like crap about something you've done or something you failed at or something you haven't tried at, whatever it may be, which is it? Do you need to change your belief about the thing or do you need to change your behavior? This is also really helpful if you have, you know, applied to something and been rejected and then had a horrible self-worth regarding it. Like in a PhD program, rejection is the name of the game. Like you're getting rejected a lot from grants, conferences, people you want to work with, whatever it may be. And I have to tell myself that in my belief system about myself and about people, they should try. Like trying is good. Trying is a good thing. And I kind of have to detach from the outcome because I don't judge anyone else if they've failed. In fact, when people talk about you know, failure and resilience and coming back from failure, I think that is one of the most inspiring things. So that is something that's really helped me with, you know, with my judgment of myself. Similarly, I think a really great exercise is to open up a journal or your notes app or whatever that may be and write down what success looks like to you. And not success in terms of output, but success in terms of input. Like, you want to, let's say you want to work out three times a week. Let's say you want to write three times a week. Let's say you want to start that podcast, start that art account, you know, whatever it may be. Let me give you an example about myself. So at the beginning of every year, I write down a list of goals I have for myself. And in 2022 and 2023, a lot of my goals were very output focused like I want to reach X number of followers on TikTok and I want to reach X amount of downloads on the podcast and I want to get into X amount of conferences. And it was very much 
based, and my, my vision of success was very much based on what I accomplish in terms of output. And on my 2024 goals, I, instead of having like, I want to have 300,000 downloads of the podcast, I have, I want to post 24 podcast episodes. So I want my most successful version to follow through with this goal instead of holding myself to something that I can't really control. Like I can control my hard work and what I put in. I really can't control how many people listen to what I put out, you know? And I think this helps with a lot of goals. I know people who have a goal for themselves of what their body should look like, but how unrealistic is that? And then you're chasing something that you can really not give yourself versus if you set a goal for yourself saying, I want to work out once a week or I wanna move my body or I wanna sweat once a week and feel like endorphin high. Those are kind of goals that you can chase. And once you succeed in those goals, you can actually develop a much higher self-worth. And I think this also ties into false self-worth and real self-worth. I think we always think if we get that body or that degree or that institution affiliation, that will be the thing that gives us value or makes us feel good about ourselves. And it almost never, ever works. I think the second you start thinking achieving this one thing is going to give you self-worth, you fail and then you're just kind of chasing into the void versus just following through with promises you make to yourself. I think that's a really magical process that builds this trust with yourself. And I'm going to try to give you a analogy here, okay? Let's say someone works for you and... Every day they tell you they're gonna do something and they don't do it. The first day you're like, okay, fine, they didn't do it. The second day you're like, that's kind of annoying they didn't do it. The third day you're like, oh, they're just not a reliable person. I just can't count on them. If you wouldn't do that for your boss, like we're always trying to please our bosses. If you're not doing that to your boss, why are you doing that to yourself? Like, aren't you the most important thing anyway? So if you tell yourself, I wanna start waking up at 7 a.m. every day, and you don't do it every day, every day you fail yourself, you're losing trust with yourself. And that in turn, subconsciously is diminishing the way you, your self-worth, the way you feel about yourself. Versus on the flip side of things, I moved to Chicago knowing no one. It was terrifying. It was so, so, so scary. And I remember telling myself, if I can do this, how cool is that? Like, someone who can move somewhere, not know anyone and build community. To me, that is like a really magical sort of thing. And now that I've been able to do that, I've had really tough months, really hard moments. Now that I've been able to do that, I've developed this trust with myself of like, oh, I can do that. I can be alone. I can be lonely and I will get through it. Also with romantic relationships and breakups tying into the last episode, like if you think about yourself, like, okay, yeah, I this breakup would suck and it would be sad, but I could get through it and I could get to the other side. Like the mentality of we can do hard things is a really beautiful mantra to keep telling yourself. And once you do those hard things, you develop this rapport with yourself, which I really do think, and not to be all woo-woo here, but I think it like increases your vibration. I think it makes you a more elevated person. Okay, the next thing I have on my list that I think has helped me cultivate a really positive self-image is finding like-minded people. And since I was a little girl, my mom would tell me 
that the people you surround yourself with define your normal, which I totally agree with. Okay, the next thing I have in my little note here that has really helped with a positive self-image is finding like-minded people. And I'm not quite sure exactly how to articulate this yet, but since I was a little girl, my mom always told me the people you surround yourself with define your normal, which I totally agree with. And I think this takes it a step further. So I'm going to try to give you an example. This is a very neutral example. Let's say all your friends really, really care about their Instagram feed or like getting the perfect Instagram. And this is no judgment. I love, I love getting a good photo of myself too, okay? But let's say that is their idea of like doing really well. And that is what they're saying is raising their self-worth. If you're hanging out with these people constantly and you just don't care, like failing at that thing will make you feel like crap. And also succeeding at that thing won't fuel you and feed you. So if you don't care about, you know, your Instagram feed in this example, or you don't want to work at that, and that's not your idea of success, it's not going to help you raise your waterline of like confidence and self-worth. And this is not to say at all that you can't have close, close people in your life who have just like a completely different idea of their path and success because I have so many friends doing such different things, like so many close, close, close friends. But I think the difference is that we at this age and stage all kind of know what we want for ourselves or a little more than we did when we were younger. And I think when you're younger, everything that your peers want is also something that you think you might want. So I think till you kind of figure out what your idea of success looks like and what your path is, I think this just matters a little bit more. Okay, I know the next two things on my list are going to make you roll your eyes, so I'm going to try to go through them fast. But the first is gratitude. I really just, I think, feeling grateful for things in your life and having perspective just really helps. And do things for others. And this is not just necessarily volunteering. I mean, like, helping a friend move or, you know, whatever it may be. I really, really think that always helps my self-esteem. And there's the scene in Friends, I don't know if you watch Friends, just stay with me here, where Joey tells Phoebe, like, you just like doing things for others, not because you're selfless, but because you're selfish and it makes you feel good. And it's like, it's a silly episode where she keeps trying to find things that she, like, she does things for others and keeps trying to find things that are just nice for the other person and not for her. And she's like totally unable to, because doing things for other people does make us feel better about ourselves and I don't think that's a bad thing or like a selfish thing I just we live in a community and how beautiful is it that sometimes we get to think about other people that aren't ourselves which leads me into my next point don't think about yourself so much like really we are I mean so many studies have come out that we're not supposed to be looking at our own faces this much listening to our own voices this much I say with a mic in my hand it's just too much thinking about ourselves. Like, it really, really chips away at our self-esteem to spend time looking at pictures of yourself and picking yourself apart and staring in the mirror. Like, we are not meant to be doing this. We are meant to live in service to other people. And I say this as someone who has to listen to my voice on the regular because of, you know, my TikTok and the podcast and... I take photos of myself and I take videos of myself and 
it is exhausting. And I know the longer I look at not only myself and my face, but also other people's faces online, this little bout of comparison does creep in, no matter how hard I try. And ultimately, who cares what I look like? Like, it just doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And just so much research has shown the longer we think about ourselves, the less confident we become. And what's the point, you know? You can't really get into this optimization cycle that levels you up that much. Staring at a photo of yourself or staring at yourself in the mirror or picking yourself apart or trying to understand how someone else is perceiving you, it doesn't really benefit anyone, least of all you. And there's no amount of thinking about yourself that I think will make you, will, will suddenly make it all go away. And I've really, I've definitely gotten in ruts where I'm like trying to look at my Instagram as how someone else would see it when someone new follows me. And I kind of have to check myself and be like, what is the point? What is the point of all this curation of self? If no one else cares, it's not helping me or my mental health in the slightest bit, you know? So I think that's a really helpful tool. Every time I'm starting to feel bad about myself, I just say, I'm going to just stop thinking about myself entirely. I'm going to try to think like, what can I do for others? How do I be a better friend? How do I be a better student? How do I be a better researcher? Or whatever that may be for you. Okay, next thing on my list, read. Read, I'm telling you. And this goes into the not thinking about yourself sort of thing. But reading lets you have, even fiction, right? Fiction, nonfiction, it helps you learn. It gives you different people's perspectives. It kind of gets you out of your own head in a really, really great way. And there's a lot of really interesting research on reading. It not only works on your attention span, which I know we all need help on, but it decreases brain rot by like, the more you read, the more neural activity literally occurs in your brain. So this leads to like more neural productivity and it strengthens these different pathways in your brain. And these pathways then improve overall like cognitive functioning. And that helps you with your ability to recall information. And for me at least, the fact that I know my attention span, my attention span is so shot. Like the other day, me and my friend Madeline went to see Poor Things, which is like a two and a half hour film, by the way. But the first like 20 minutes are in black and white. And we both are whispering to each other like, oh my god, our, our attention span is so bad. Like, it was so hard to sit through two and a half hours without wanting to check my phone, which I don't like about myself. But when I do read, I've been spending so much time on Substack, by the way, and I can feel it. I can feel it decreasing my brain rot. But when I read, it really just makes me feel better about myself. And when I work on my attention span, it makes me feel more in control of my abilities, which again, I think in turn raises the waterline for my self-esteem. So I think this is, even if you don't love reading books, you know, find articles, follow my Substack, shameless plug. There are just more ways than you can think of, of getting into reading. In that vein, work out or go to therapy. I think it's really nice to have time in your schedule that's for working on you. It It's kind of saying to yourself and then the world that, yeah, I'm busy, but this is a person worth investing in. 
This person is worth time and worth effort. And in my busy schedule, I carve out time to work on myself. I think it's sending a really positive message to yourself subliminally. And I, for the longest time, for almost all my life, I'm 23, almost 24, for 22 of those years, I was the least athletic person in a room all the time, okay? Like, couldn't do a push-up, couldn't run a mile, couldn't do a pull-up, whatever it may be, I wasn't good at it. And this goes back to the doing things that are hard. But at some point, I just decided I want to take care of my body and my health, and I don't want to tell myself this is something I can't do, or I'm just not someone who does that. Because it was, again, sending these messages to myself subconsciously that, like, I just wasn't able to, and I wasn't able to do this hard thing or challenge myself and follow through with it. And at some point early last year, I was like, no, I want to be not athletic, but I, I want to be strong is maybe the word there, and I want to be capable. And it was scary to get in the gym. Gyms are, I think, a very daunting place. But I did it. And again, I think that proved something to myself. And this is not about other people. I think what you tell yourself, the lies you tell yourself, and the truths you tell yourself really matter. What, However you speak to yourself really, really matters. And this is to say, the next thing is... Speak to yourself like you would speak to your best friend. Like, you have to be encouraging with yourself. Everything, everything you say, even saying like, oh, I'm not a patient person, or whatever you say to yourself affects you in so many ways, and I think can be such a scapegoat. Like, sometimes I'll say something, and then I'll really think about it and be like, that's not true, or maybe that is true right now, but it's something I want to work on. I want to work on being a more patient person. And... Instead of saying like, oh, I interrupt a lot, I'm an interrupter, I'm trying to say I'm working on interrupting less, you know, because those are the messages that not only are we telling ourselves, but then are influencing the way we think about ourselves, and I, I think that stuff is so important. Okay, my next thing is do things that you value and that you are good at, and this doesn't mean you have to be like crazy good at some really intellectual or highbrow thing. If you're good at, like, organizing a group dinner and getting all your friends to show up, amazing. Feel proud about the things you're good at and do them. And the very last thing on my list is spend time alone because you are worthy of spending time with. And, you know, I'm actually going to add one more thing that I haven't written down, but also get busy with things that are feeding you. I think you need alone time and you also need scheduled in time with other people with activities and both of those things bring so much to the table for yourself and all my relationships got significantly better once I just loved spending time with myself because it especially romantic relationships but I think when you are kind of really whole on your own and alone that anyone needs to be an addition so you are again, subconsciously demanding respect and demanding that person be an addition in your life. Not that they constantly have to be talking or, you know, improving anything. I love like a little parallel play, but I like that everyone I hang out with, I think is so worthy of my time. And, and not in a cocky way, but I really, I really know that everyone in my life is so phenomenal and so additive. And they're not just in my life because I can't be alone or because 
I don't want to be alone. They're in my life because I love spending time with them. And I also love spending time with me. And I like that I'm my own best friend. And, like, I like that I have these little inside jokes with myself and I have these traditions with myself. Because at the end of the day, like, you have to spend all your time with you. You want to like yourself. I think that's so, so key. And I hope everyone in our community really likes themselves and really, like, keeps working on raising their self-esteem and advocating for themselves. And in a lot of ways, I'm still working on advocating for myself. I think one area that I think generally a lot of women struggle with, and I think I might, it might be like a lifelong activity for me to get good at, is in health spaces, like with doctors and things like that, to advocate for yourself. Because I think it's hard for me to go into spaces where I don't know a lot and be like, no, I know the way my body is feeling, or I know the way I'm feeling. And I think women just maybe have a tough time with this sometimes, but that is something I'm really working on. I think I'm really, you know, good at this in friendships and romantic relationships. But again, it's something that's come with time. Like me at 13 in middle school, I couldn't demand anything for myself. I didn't have the language at all, but I also didn't have the internal tools to. So it takes a long, long time. It's been a journey. It'll continue to be. I don't think you ever become perfect at this. But it's a topic I feel really strongly about and I hope we can revisit again at some point. And I hope there were any like tangible takeaways or anything you learned during this episode. If you want me to talk about this more or talk about certain aspects more, I'd be so happy to. And I love you guys. I really do. And I hope this was an episode that resonated or helped you or inspired you. Um, Thank you guys so much. I love you. Bye. And that's a wrap. Thank you guys for hanging out with me and listening to this week's episode. If you want more, follow at Show Me How Good It Gets podcast. I read all the DMs I get on there. And then my personal Instagram account is at MalvikaBot and my TikTok is at MalTalks. If you're listening on Spotify, please leave us a rating, preferably a five-star rating. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I hope you can write us a fun little review and write us there as well. Once again, thank you guys for hanging out. See you next week. Bye-bye. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.